This is Dr. David Kahn, Associate Editor of Jackie in Practice. Thank you for listening to the Highlights Podcast for the August 2023, Volume 11, Issue 8 of our journal on the theme of a focus on urticaria and angioedema. I would like to thank our theme coordinators, editorial board members Carlo Arruda and Mark Rydell, who did a terrific job coordinating this theme and for a very well-crafted editorial that adds nice context to the review articles on the theme of urticarian angioedema. This issue's theme is a focus on urticarian angioedema, and the cover very clearly shows this focus and reflects the enlarged body of knowledge and advances on our understanding of both urticaria and angioedema over the last 20 years. This theme will cover not only the common patients we see on a daily basis, but also some of the rarer conditions that as allergy specialists, we need to be able to recognize and manage. In addition, several articles would discuss cutting edge information and novel treatments to come. This theme issue will certainly help all of us focus on the myriad of urticarian angioedema conditions, enable clinicians to improve the diagnosis and management of their patients presenting with these disorders. Inside the cover, there are seven separate reviews on these topics. Three CME articles cover the topics of chronic urticaria and angioedema, masqueraders, and mixed diagnoses. This review covers mimics of both urticaria and angioedema, underscoring the importance of considering a differential diagnosis in patients with atypical presentations of urticaria and angioedema. The second CME article is entitled Potential Therapeutic Approaches for Chronic Urticaria beyond H1 antihistamines and biologics. This is an interesting review of alternative therapies that may be considered when patients fail traditional guideline-based therapies for both chronic spontaneous as well as inducible urticarias. The last CME article is entitled Hereditary Angioedema, a review of the current and evolving treatment landscape. This review highlights current therapies for HAE and potential future therapies including gene therapy, and provides several graphical illustrations to explain these novel treatments, which may truly revolutionize management of this disease. Additional reviews included in this theme are entitled Cold Urticaria Syndromes, Diagnosis and Management. This review highlights the multiple forms of cold-induced urticaria, including several monogenic auto-inflammatory syndromes, and provides an algorithm for diagnosis and a table on classification and management of these fascinating syndromes. The next review is entitled Genetic Variants Leading to Urticarian Angioedema and Associated Biomarkers. This is a fascinating, very timely review into the genetics of hereditary angioedema as well as genetics of inducible forms of urticaria, along with a very robust discussion of hereditary alpha-tryptosemia and its potential impact on chronic urticaria. The next review is entitled Chronic Spontaneous Urticaria, the Role and Relevance of Autoreactivity, Autoimmunity, and Autoallergy. This is an excellent overview of the current understanding of the two main proposed autoimmune mechanisms of chronic spontaneous urticaria and recommendations for how to identify these patients in clinical practice. The last review, entitled Angioedema with Normal Complement Studies, What Do We Know? This is a very up-to-date review on our current knowledge of angioedema with normal complement studies, including 
a table of all known mutations associated with HAE with normal C1 inhibitor levels. In addition, there are two Quad AI workgroup reports. The first, Food Oral Immunotherapy, a survey amongst U.S. practicing allergists. And the second, entitled Baked Milk and Baked Egg Survey, a workgroup report of the Academy Adverse Reactions to Foods Committee. Let's now move on to review highlights from the original articles in the August issue, which covers several topics, including urticarian angioedema, asthma, dermatitis, eosinophilic disorders, food allergy, immunodeficiency, mast cell disorders, rhinitis and sinusitis, and topics on quality improvement and patient safety. The first original article is entitled, Comparative Safety Profiles of Individual Second-Generation H1 Antihistamines for the Treatment of Chronic Urticaria, a Systematic Review and Network Meta-Analysis of Randomized Controlled Trials by Chachen et al. What is already known about this topic? With respect to effective, affordable, and minimize unfavorable safety profiles, international guidelines endorse the use of second-generation H1 antihistamines as an initial treatment for people living with chronic urticaria against first-generation H1 antihistamines. What does this article add to our knowledge? No differences were found between the 14 second-generation antihistamines regarding dosing regimens compared with placebo for serious adverse events, including anticholinergic side effects. However, differences between individual second-generation antihistamines were observed for the occurrence of any adverse events and central nervous system side effects. How does this study impact current management guidelines? To better harmonize and compare the efficacy and safety of different treatment interventions, there is a need for standardized reporting of core outcome sets in future chronic urticaria clinical trials. The next article is entitled Association Between Serum Total IgE Levels and Clinical Response to Omalizumab for Chronic Spontaneous Urticaria, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis by Chong et al. What is already known about this topic? Omalizumab is a recombinant humanized monoclonal antibody targeting free IgE, but no biomarker is well established for clinical response to omalizumab in patients with CSU. What does this article add to our knowledge? Relatively higher baseline serum total IgE levels are significantly associated with better and faster clinical responses in patients receiving omalizumab for CSU. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Serum total IgE levels before administration of omalizumab are a predictor for the clinical response to omalizumab in patients with CSU. The next article is entitled Omalizumab and CSU, Real-Life Experience and Dose Interval Adjustments and Treatment Discontinuation by Bras et al. What is already known about this topic? Omalizumab dose and interval adjustments and discontinuation were successfully implemented in CSU although guidelines do not specify how to proceed. What does this article add to our knowledge? The present study provides real-life experience on regimen adjustments, discontinuation, valuing weekly urticaria activity score, minimal important difference, and the urticaria control test. How does this study impact current management guidelines? A practical regimen and adjustment slash discontinuation protocol is proposed. The next article is entitled, Exacerbation of CSU Following COVID-19 Vaccination 
in omalizumab-treated patients by Lee et al. What is already known about this topic? Urticarial rash is a common cutaneous adverse reaction after COVID-19 vaccination. However, the impact of vaccination on pre-existing CSU is largely unknown. What does this article add to our knowledge? Approximately 15% of patients with well-controlled CSU experienced a flare after COVID-19 vaccination. The presence of urticaria versus none before vaccination and the development of systematic reactogenicity were associated with a higher risk for exacerbation. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Additional attention is required in the management of patients with CSU during COVID-19 vaccination. The next article is entitled, Positive Basophil Tests Are Linked to High Disease Activity and Other Features of Autoimmune Chronic Spontaneous Urticaria, a Systematic Review by Monino Romero et al. What is already known about this topic? Basophil tests such as basophil activation test and basophil histamine release assay have been proposed as the best single diagnostic assays to identify the autoimmune endotype of CSU. What does this article add to our knowledge? A strong level of evidence exists for an association between positive basophil tests and more active or severe urticaria and the presence of other markers of the autoimmune endotype of CSU, such as low total IgE. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Basophil tests should be standardized and implemented in routine clinical care to improve the diagnosis and treatment of patients with autoimmune CSU. The next article is entitled, Most Patients with Autoimmune CSU Also Have Autoallergic Urticaria, But Not Vice Versa, by Chang et al. What is already known about this topic? Two endotypes of CSU have been described, namely autoallergic CSU and autoimmune CSU. The rates of CSU patients with autoallergic and autoimmune CSU are currently unknown. What does this article add to our knowledge? Most CSU patients have autoallergic CSU, autoimmune CSU, or both, and only 16% of all CSU patients tested negative for all markers of autoallergic CSU and autoimmune CSU assessed. Most autoimmune CSU patients also have autoallergic CSU, but not vice versa. How does this study impact current management guidelines? These findings are important for the management of CSU, improving the diagnostic workup, including the assays for autoallergic CSU and autoimmune CSU for further research on this disease. The next article is entitled, Assessing Quality of Life in Patients with Chronic Urticaria Through Comparisons with Patients Having Other Common Chronic Diseases by Minidel. What is already known about this topic? Chronic urticaria is one of the most frequent chronic inflammatory diseases, but its effect on quality of life in patients with chronic urticaria may be underestimated. There are few data on this issue. What does this article add to our knowledge? Patients with chronic urticaria with poor response to medication showed impaired quality of life to a level similar to that of patients with rheumatoid arthritis and diabetes treated with insulin in a tertiary hospital. How does this study impact current management guideline? This study provides data for clinicians, medical administrators, and the general public to understand the burden and pain of patients with chronic urticaria. 
Such information is essential to manage and control chronic inflammatory disease. The next article is entitled Consequences of Insurance Coverage Delays and Denials for Patients with Hereditary Angioedema by Arara et al. What is already known about this topic? Health insurance barriers to care for patients with rare diseases frequently occur. The impact of insurance delays denials of hereditary angioedema medications on patients' health, outcomes, and healthcare utilization is unknown. What does this article add to our knowledge? This study demonstrates that significant burdens that insurance delays or denials have for patients with HAE, including increased urgent care and emergency department visits, missed school and work, higher levels of anxiety, and a negative impact on family life. How does this study impact current management guidelines? We suggest steps to optimize the insurance authorization process, including making the process more transparent, clinically driven, accessible, and less onerous for patients and healthcare providers. The next article is entitled, Gene Mutations Linked to Hereditary Angioedema in Solitary Angioedema Patients with Normal C1 Inhibitor by Bork et al. What is already known about this topic? There is a large number of non-histaminergic angioedema patients who are solitary in their families. These patients display normal C1 inhibitor in the absence of urticaria. Clinical symptoms are similar to those of hereditary angioedema with normal C1 inhibitor. What does this article add to our knowledge? Among patients with non-histaminergic angioedema who are solitary in their families, there were those with hereditary angioedema with normal C1 inhibitor. Without genetic investigation, hereditary angioedema would have remained undetected in these patients and their relatives. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Based on our results, we recommend that patients with long-standing recurrent angioedema that is not responding to antihistamines and who are solitary in their families should be investigated for mutations linked to hereditary angioedema with normal C1 inhibitor. The next article is entitled Hereditary Angioedema with Normal C1 Inhibitor, U.S. Survey of Prevalence and Provider Practice Patterns by Rydal et al. What is already known about this topic? The diagnosis of hereditary angioedema with normal C1 inhibitor is challenging because of the lack of confirmatory diagnostic tests. In the absence of robust clinical data, specific recommendations for management are largely based on expert opinion. What does this article add to our knowledge? This article provides prevalence estimates of HAE normal C1 inhibitor, 1,230 to 1,331 in the United States, and describes current diagnoses and management strategies used by physicians. How does this study impact current management guidelines? This study describes diagnostic and management strategies of physicians caring for HAE normal C1 inhibitor patients providing real-world data for comparison with current guideline recommendations. Results may be helpful for future clinical studies in this population. The next study is entitled Living with Hereditary Angioedema in Australia, Findings from a National Observational Study Using Short Message Service to Monitor the Burden of Disease by Catalaris et al. What is already known about this topic? Treatments for HAE aim to reduce the impact of attacks. Progress has been made in developing effective prophylactic treatments 
but access to some of these treatments remains limited in Australia. What does this article add to our knowledge? This study demonstrates the feasibility of collecting real-time data using short message service. It also demonstrates that using modern prophylactic therapy for HAE results in a reduction in attack rates. How does this study impact current management guidelines? The subcutaneous prophylactic use of C1 inhibitor concentrate may be beneficial in reducing ongoing attacks and preventing emergency admissions with prolonged hospitalizations. The next article is entitled The Disease Burden and Societal Cost of Hereditary Angioedema by Fidgen et al. What is already known about this topic? HAE results in an impaired quality of life and patients in a substantial socioeconomic burden to society due to medical costs and lost productivity. What does this article add to our knowledge? Disease was poorly controlled in 36% of participants. Patients' quality of life dropped substantially during an angioedema attack. On average, total costs per year per patient amount to 22,764 euros, predominantly existing of HAE medication costs. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Additional prophylactic strategies seem to be needed to improve disease control in a large subset of patients with HAE. The next article is entitled, A National Survey of HAE and Acquired C1 Inhibitor Deficiency in the United Kingdom by Yang et al. What is already known about this topic? There are limited data on the demographics and the treatments used in HAE and acquired C1 inhibitor deficiency in the United Kingdom. What does this article add to our knowledge? This study provides more up-to-date data on demographics, treatment modalities, and services available to patients with HAE and acquired C1 inhibitor deficiency in the United Kingdom. How does this study impact current management guidelines? This study provides information about how real-world practice compares with published management guidelines and identifies areas where care could be improved. The next article is entitled, Hormonal Contraceptives Are Associated with an Increase in Incidence of Asthma in Women by Hansen et al. What is already known about this topic? Exogenous female sex hormones, including hormonal contraception and hormone replacement therapy, are suggested to alter the incidence of asthma. However, the direction of the association remains uncertain. What does this article add to our knowledge? Hormonal contraception in women is associated with a higher incidence of asthma in this nationwide study. This study adds to the evidence that exogenous female sex hormones may increase the incidence of asthma in women. How does this study impact current management guidelines? In this study, first-time users of hormonal contraception had an increased incidence of asthma compared with non-users. Clinicians and patients should, therefore, be aware that airway symptoms may develop following the initiation of hormonal contraception. The next article is entitled, A Systematic Review of Patient-Reported Adherence Measures in Asthma, Which Questionnaire is Most Useful in Clinical Practice, by Quirk McFarlane et al. What is already known about this topic? Adherence to inhaled corticosteroids in asthma is notoriously poor. Patient-reported adherence measures, although potentially subjective, offer a pragmatic approach for assessing adherence in clinical practice and research. What does this article add to our knowledge? 
Previous systematic reviews assessed patient-reported adherence measures, but did not make recommendations to clinicians regarding what, if any, were useful in a real-world clinical setting or should be used to stratify patients for a more in-depth adherence review. This article provides that detail. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Current management guidelines should be updated specifically to endorse the questionnaires recommended by this review. The next article is entitled Phenotypic and Endotypic Determinants of Atopic Dermatitis Severity from the Atopic Dermatitis Research Network Registry by Simpson et al. What is already known about this topic? The severity of atopic dermatitis correlates with many quality of life measures in atopic dermatitis, but how severity impacts other clinical and historical features of the disease is not fully characterized. What does this article add to our knowledge? This large prospective registry demonstrates that atopic dermatitis severity directly associates with allergen sensitization, type 2 immunity, other atopic conditions, staph aureus colonization, and a history and or presence of bacterial or viral skin infections. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Disease severity associates with staph aureus colonization, a history of both viral and bacterial infections, as well as IgE sensitization. The next article is entitled, Elimination Diet or Swallowed Topical Steroid Treatment of Pediatric Eosinophilic Esophagitis, Five-Year Outcomes by Nistel et al. What is already known about this topic? Elimination diets and swallowed topical steroids both induce histologic remission in EOE. What does this article add to our knowledge? Children with EOE who are treated with elimination diets or topical steroids experience long-term remission. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Use of elimination diets or swallowed topical steroids can be effective long-term maintenance treatment for pediatric EOE. The next article is entitled Severe Anaphylactic Reactions to Home Doses of Oral Immunotherapy for Food Allergy by Noxon et al. What is already known about this topic? Severe allergic reactions to home doses are the main risk of OIT. Such reactions involving vital sign impairment may pose an immediate threat to life and information regarding their rate and risk factors is missing. What does this article add to our knowledge? High-grade anaphylactic reactions to home doses of OIT occur despite patient compliance with epinephrine treatment. Risk factors for such reactions include milk OIT, asthma, and house dust mite sensitization, but many occur without identified triggers. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Appropriate treatment settings, alternative treatment approaches, or exclusion from treatment should be considered for patients who are at high risk for severe anaphylactic reactions during OIT. An approach to patients who have experienced such reactions should be established. The next article is entitled Detection of SARS-CoV-2 Antibodies in Immunoglobulin Products by Cousins et al. What is already known about this topic? SARS-CoV-2 infection in patients with inborn errors of immunity is associated with increased morbidity and mortality. However, little is known about the content of SARS-CoV-2 antibodies in immunoglobulin products used as replacement therapy. What does this article add to our knowledge? 
immunoglobulin products with expiration dates between 2023 and 2025 were found to have both significantly higher binding activities as well as ACE2 inhibition activity against ancestral alpha, beta, delta, and omicron SARS-CoV-2 proteins in comparison with pre-pandemic products. How does the study impact current management guidelines? When present, polyclonal SARS-CoV-2 antibodies in more recently collected immunoglobulin products may provide a therapeutic benefit for patients who do not make a robust vaccine response. The next article is entitled, Increased Expression of Mast Cell Mediator Metabolites During Mast Cell Activation Syndrome by Butterfield. What is already known about this topic? Metabolites of prostaglandin D2, histamine, and leukotriene C4 accompany episodes of mast cell activation syndrome. What does this article add to our knowledge? Of the three metabolites measured, leukotriene E4 increases were highest during MCAS. Acute and baseline increases from greater than 1.2 to 1.3 for all mediators accompanied tryptase increased values of 20% plus 2 nanograms per ml. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Measurements of all three mast cell mediator metabolites should be encouraged and used in addition to a tryptase increase to document MCAS. The next article is entitled Epidemiology of Allergic Rhinitis in Children, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis by Lakari et al. What is already known about this topic? Allergic rhinitis is a common chronic condition in the pediatric population. Recent studies showed wide variability in the prevalence of this disease. What does this article add to our knowledge? Our results confirmed allergic rhinitis is a disease with wide prevalence among the general pediatric population and described a rising trend of physician-diagnosed pathology over the past 10 years. How does this study impact current management guidelines? The increasing trend of allergic rhinitis among children should prompt the implementation of recommendations to reduce the burden of this condition and associated comorbidities. The last original article is entitled Impact of an Inpatient Allergy Guideline on Beta-Lactam and Alternative Antibiotic Use by Otani et al. What is already known about this topic? A previously published guideline that identifies when inpatients with penicillin or cephalosporin allergy can safely receive beta-lactam antibiotics increased beta-lactam antibiotic receipt at a large northeastern U.S. healthcare system. What does this article add to our knowledge? Implementation of a modified guideline partnered with an electronic order set and education at an independent western U.S. healthcare system increased penicillin and cephalosporin antibiotic receipt with associated decreases in estriamine use, even in the absence of delabeling. How does the study impact current management guidelines? Guidelines using risk stratification and cross-reactivity data to identify opportunities for beta-lactam use in patients with penicillin or cephalosporin allergy improve antibiotic stewardship. Implementation may be particularly beneficial at hospitals without resources for routine delabeling. This concludes our highlights of the August 2023 issue of Jackie in Practice. I'm David Kahn. Thank you for listening, and I am confident you will find this issue informative and helpful in the care of your patients, especially those that present with urticaria 
and angioedema.